Well, this is the second week in this series where we're looking at uh, following Jesus in our workplace or at work and what it might look like for us to do that well, what it might look like for us to, to do the things of Jesus in our work environment. And I got to be uh, honest with you, confess a little bit with you this morning, uh, not a lot, just a little bit with you. The, uh, I got a little overwhelmed as I was preparing for this uh, sermon this week, and as I was reading, I was kind of praying through things. I got a little overwhelmed because I began to think about all the other areas of my life with Gina and my wife, and our, with our kids, with the stuff environment or the stuff that I'm out in the community and ways in which I'm out there. And I got really, really overwhelmed. And I so I just in order to give me a little bit of peace and to give you get you off the hook a little bit, let's just focus in on your work environment, not all the various other aspects of various places we need to see Christ likeness in our life with our families, with other people around us. But let's just zero in on that one environment, those one areas of relationships. That may be helpful for us. But over the last, uh, last night or last weekend, these next few weeks, we're just simply trying to look at the qualities that we see in Jesus, things that we see that are at work in his life, and how do we incorporate more of that in our everyday living as well, in the ways in which we go to work, the ways in which we show up, the ways in which we hang out with each other, the ways in which we respond to those emails, those phone calls, the way in which we care for one another. And we do that, whatever work that God has given us, because uh, come tomorrow morning, many of us are going to go to work in a classroom or in a field or in an office building or at a plant somewhere. We're going to be at a con- in a context of work. And what is it that God has given us? What place that God has sent us into? And how can we be like Jesus? How can we follow Jesus and live the way that Jesus would live our life if he were us? How can we do that in more uh, practical and, and abundant ways? And this is what we're going to try and, and do. But before we get going too far, let's pray together and then we'll get started. Jesus, thank you so much for the truth that you care about every aspect of our life. You care about the things that we consider big things and the things that we consider small things. That you, can, that you care about how we do our life, and that you have demonstrated and modeled for us uh, abundant living. And may we learn from you today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, one of the things that if you look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels, one of the things that just kind of jumps off the pages at you, you can't really get away from it, is the way in which Jesus is really present with people. Way he, he pushes past the distractions and he has actually listens to people. And you see this all the time, really. You see Jesus is walking from one place to the next, or he's going from one ministry opportunity to another opportunity, and, and someone comes up and kind of interrupts him, or someone comes up and stops him along the way, cries out to him, or something happens, and Jesus turns to the person or to the people, and he sees them, and he recognizes them. And now those interruptions that come in are met with patience and presence, and a desire to listen to really what's going on. Jesus has a way of being present with people. You don't get the picture in the Gospels of Jesus being overly distracted or rushed from one place to the next, but he's present with every person that, come, that he comes in contact with, even those that are uh, an interruption, even when he's in the middle of doing something and the phone rings and he doesn't really want to answer, but he answers, and he's present. You see this over and over and over a time. But we, in our culture, tend to live relatively distracted lives. We get this feeling that we're talking with someone and they're just not really there. 
They're, they're kind of distracted. Their mind is somewhere else. They're, they're e- answering an email while they're trying to talk with us, or they're texting to someone while they're trying to listen to us, and they're just not really fully present. We live extremely distracted lives. And if we're going to be Jesus-type people in our work environment, if we're going to be followers of Jesus or apprentices to Jesus in our places of work, we're going to need to simply find ways in where we can be really present to the person before us, to the email before us. And we can be present to the person we're responding to, to the phone call that we receive, to the appointment that we have, to push against this desire to be overly distracted and multitask and really be present with the people that God has brought before us each day and every moment. Because in our work environments, if we're at all kind of honest with each other, whether it's a school environment or a professional environment or a work environment in general, volunteer or a paid position, we tend to uh, prioritize our productivity, how well we can get the things done that are on our to-do list today and check them off really quickly and get all these things accomplished. And it can be tempting for us to zero in on this kind of task orientation where we just kind of zero in on the task that needs to be accomplished today. And when we do that, we have a tendency to forget that the most important thing about us is not what we achieve that day, not what we acquire that day, not climbing the corporate ladder that day, but the most important thing about us is who we are becoming in the midst of it. The most important thing about us is how we step into, the, into God's calling in our life and the place where he has us and how we can love God well in our work environment and how we can serve and love the people that God has placed before us in those emails, those phone calls, those appointments, in those daily workings. How do we love God well and love others well? That's what's most important. Not getting the major tasks accomplished and ma- being massively productive. And one of the ways in which we can follow Jesus at work is by pushing against this overemphasis on productivity and, and task orientation and just pushing through things and learn to be present with people. Learn to be present with the person that comes across your way or the phone call that comes in or the interruption when someone knocks on your door. And while it's important, it's vitally important that we do our work well and we do the, the tasks that people have given us. And that we do them to the very best of our ability. Work at all things with all of our heart, the Apostle Paul says, as if working for the Lord. It's very important that we do our jobs well. That we do them with excellence. But it is also crucial that we do them in a way where we pay attention to the individuals that are across the hall from us. Across the table from us. Receiving that phone call from us. And we learn to do them with people And we are present, and we're really there engaging with them. Jesus has a way of interacting with the people that did not make them feel like they were a burden to them. They didn't feel like they were a distraction or overburdensome on him. That that he was just like, like they were a, a pain in the neck to him. Jesus had this way of interacting with people that he was really present with them, made space to listen to them, to speak into them, to pay attention to what's really going on, to look into them and see what's really going on, to not simply look past them and look into them as an ends to our own means, but to be present with them. Jesus has a way of interacting with people where they're not left and they're just going, well, I guess that was it. Jesus has a unique way of being present. And if we are to be Jesus people, apprentices of his in our work environment, we need to learn how to do this, how to prioritize this 
In Jesus, we see someone who prioritizes being present with everybody that comes across him, even those that are interruptions to him. It's as though he has this abundance of patience, just oozing out of every aspect of time that he has. There's an interesting story I want us to take a look at this morning. It's in Mark chapter 6. So if you have your Bible with you, we're going to be in Mark chapter 6. Here's just a couple uh, verses here. But Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 30. Right before this, the, uh, Jesus had sent out the disciples to do all this ministry, all this work in the neighboring areas. And they were going off in these teams, and they began to kind of come back and receive this notice or give Jesus kind of a report of what was going on. And this is where we pick up the story. Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. And then because there were so many people coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place. Get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Jesus sees his disciples just getting fresh off from this ministry experience and all this activity, all this productivity, all this action that was going on. And he notices a little fatigue in them, a little tiredness in their souls. And he says, you just need some rest. Let's get away from all the activity. Let's push away from all the tasks that need to be done. And let's get some rest for our souls. And so they do. They push off. All the noise and the demands of life began to kind of choke life out of the disciples. And he began to say, listen, we need a little bit of time. So Jesus pushes out in this boat to, to go for a place. And then people hear about it. They run out to, the, to meet the boat on the other side. And they get there. And there's no rest to be found. There's an interruption for this quiet time. And notice what Jesus says here. Notice the way in which he responds to the people that are coming to, to, be there, to interrupt him or to, to see. The scripture says that he sees them with compassion as like a sheep without a shepherd. That he begins to see them and their needs. He doesn't look past them. He doesn't just kind of blow past them to the next activity, to the next action they have. He sees them with compassion and he spends time with them, listens, cares for them. He looks into what's going on for them. And to be sure, Jesus will make good on his promise to his disciples here that they need rest. And at the end of it, they take a little bit of break and they spend some time just them because that's crucial for their soul. But it says something about Jesus, the second person of the Trinity here, who he would spend time that he's not so hurried off to the next appointment, to the next thing, to the next achievement, to the next task on his list, that he would spend time listening and caring for the people that came across him. That he spends time with them. He sees them with compassion, the scripture says. For many of us, gone are the days of compassion for us. Interruptions for us seem like a pain in the neck that stop us from doing what we really want to do. And a major threat to our learning to live with being a presence or learning to live with Christ in our work environment, a major threat is the pace with which we do our work how we're frequently trying to multitask, doing multiple things all at the same time to be hyperproductive. And while it may be hyperproductive to try and multitask and keep multiple plates spinning on the, in the air, it hinders our ability to be really present with the people in front of us. 
when we're multitasking, doing multiple things at the same time, it hinders our ability to push aside the noise and to listen and to pay attention and to be present with the person that God has brought to us. It's difficult to see people and be present with them when we're hurried in our work, when we're rushing from one thing to the next without much room for any error or any kind of movement. So when that phone call happens or that person stops us in the hallway, they're seen as a threat to our productivity rather than someone made in the image of God with a story whom I'm called to love and serve in this place right now. And to be sure, to be very clear, we need space for ourselves. And to try and just go out and do anything and everything for everybody at all times can be exhausting and can be detrimental to our souls. We need time of rest and time of solitude between us and God for sure. But what is the general climate in your work environment? What's the general climate for those that work with you? Do they get the sense of your presence with them? Their sense that you are there with them to listen and to hear them? Or do they get a sense of distraction and always busy, rushing from one thing to the next and never really settling to be present? Do the people that you work with, people that you interact with, do they get the sense that they are a threat to your productivity, that they don't want to step in and step on your toes, that you only have this much time to give them before you move on to the next thing? Or do they receive the great gift of your presence? Do they receive the great gift of your presence? Pushing all the noise aside and just listen. To look at them in the face and hear them. To not just hear to how you're going to respond to them, how you're going to fix it, but just listen. Do they receive the gift of your presence? I'm going to suggest for you this morning that a way in which we can serve those that we work with to learn to love them and to follow Jesus in our work is to learn how to manage our time in such a way to create space. Taking whatever steps necessary to guard against a rushed day. To guard against a rushed day. And a distracted day where we're trying to spend too many things going on and we don't, and we miss the opportunity to be really present with the person God has given us right in front of us. Well, a couple years ago, I ran across a blog that I found really interesting, and it kind of illustrates this point of how we tend to live increasingly distracted lives. We're trying to be hyper-productive all the time and yet missing the, be, uh, the ability to be present with the person right in front of us. And while it doesn't talk about our work environment, it talks about family dynamics, I think the illustration is poignant to our points today. So I'm going to read it for us this morning, try and get into this story here. While traveling to Boston, I went to Panera to grab dinner and catch up on some email. Two dads sat down in the nearby tables, each with one child sitting directly across from me. I switched from email mode to observation mode. And what happened was absolutely fascinating. Dad A came across as a businessman. He was young, maybe 30. Wore a nice suit somewhere between work and Panera. He'd taken off his tie. My guess was he worked in finance or a local bank. And when he was in line before their food came, he was fiddling with his phone, texting, scrolling through email. He seemed rushed and a little anxious. Son A was about six or seven. He had that little boy lisp that sometimes when he spoke and he talked a little too loud and pretty much nonstop. He was wearing a superhero-themed jacket with a matching hat. He was clearly excited to be with his dad, constantly stole looks at his dad. 
sat opposite his dad in a chair that felt way too big for him and fidgeted a little with the pager until their food came while dad was fidgeting with his phone. When the pager went off, dad got up by himself and came back with a tray. Each had a sandwich, a soup, and a soda. And just as they were settling down to eat, dad put his phone on the table next to the tray, and about five seconds later, it buzzed. He looked at the text and then turned the phone off, slid it into the jacket pocket, and moved the tray closer to him, picked up his sandwich. They stayed about 20 more minutes, eating their food and having a conversation about a vacation that son A had just been on with his mom. It became clear that the father and son did not live together. And dad was very positive and affirming to the son about the trip and about his mom and about just about everything. Son A talked nearly nonstop, only pausing for a few seconds when dad A reminded him to eat your food, buddy. When they were done eating, they left promptly through the front door towards the main street and the sidewalk. Dad B came across as a contractor. He was in his 40s, wore a a worn ski jacket and blue jeans. His hair was a bit wild as if he'd been wearing a hat and just took it off. His most distinguishing characteristic was a Bluetooth earpiece that flashed every few seconds to symbolize that it was on. He sat down in a two-person booth and spoke in a near whisper with his daughter, but really loudly in a staccato went on the phone, which seemed to ring about every five to six minutes. Daughter B was a stereotypical teenage girl with her dad. My guess is 14 or 15 years old. Her hair was in a ponytail. She took off her jacket, stuffed it into the corner of the booth. Sitting at the table, she spun the pager repeatedly while her dad was on the phone. He was looking past her and she was looking past him. And about a minute into this staring and spinning routine, dad got annoyed and grabbed the pager. She sighed audibly loud enough for me to hear and pulled out her phone. Dad B talked on the phone, took calls throughout the meal. Daughter B looked at her phone most of the time, texting and navigating apps. And when he wasn't on the phone, Dad B tried to make small talk about school and plans for the weekend, but Daughter B mostly shrugged him off and gave one-word answers. Largely, they both ate in silence towards one another. They were there for about 35 minutes total. Dad B took a little longer to eat because he was talking on the phone a lot. Daughter B ate her meal quickly, took her plate to the bin, refilled her soda, and began uh, patiently waiting for her dad. Later that night, I looked back on my notes. I wrote this conclusion about what I just observed. Both dads got in their cars and looked at their child and thought the same thing. I just had dinner with my kid. But one had dinner with his child, actively participating and giving his full attention, while the other was in his child's presence, but never really having a conversation. While both dads may have felt noble about their dinner out with their kids, both children likely left feeling nearly the opposite about their time with their dad. Friends, we live increasingly distracted lives, trying to be hyper-productive, keeping multiple plates spinning, and neglecting the gift of being present with a person right in front of us. And the person in the cubicle near you or the office next to you or the person walking in line next to you, they need to see our presence more than they need to see our productivity. We can learn to be givers of presence, givers of our hearts and givers of our listening ears. And as apprentices to Jesus, this is something we can learn. And we see Jesus doing this 
all the time. We see him doing it well to create space in our lives to pay attention to the people and the things around us, to get beyond the surface things about, uh, at work and to really pay attention and to be present, to eliminate the distractions and to be present with the people near us. So how do we do that? How do we push into that and learn from Jesus in this way? Well, the first suggestion I have for you is that you and I learn, need to learn to create space to allow for interruptions. We need to learn to create space in our workplace to allow for interruptions, to push past the temptation to cram every nook and cranny and every second and minute of our workday so filled that we are unable to be present to those with whom we come in contact with. That we're so full with one thing to do and our agenda is so packed for the day that we don't have any space for someone to be really near and to be present with them. It might mean that we get to work 5 to 10, 15 minutes early to intentionally walk around and to spend some time with the people near us or to take our lunch break intentionally instead of taking our lunch back to our desk to so we can be more productive but to go and to be near someone and actively listening to them where we learn to see what's going on in their life and we intentionally walk to them to be near them, to give our presence to them, to lay aside our distractions. When someone comes into our office for a meeting or we're on the phone and we're trying to do something or shut our laptop so we're not trying to respond to an email and talk to someone on the phone and to talk to someone in the office all at the same time, but to eliminate the distractions and be really present with the person near us. Well, second suggestion was to learn to take captive our thoughts. See, we have the ability to set our minds on Christ. And it makes a difference. It really does. When we approach our work in our morning routine and we approach our work with this question in our mind, God, what do you have for me today? What would you need or want or desire from me today? God, what would you desire me to do? How can I be present with the people near me? And you may find it helpful to write that question on a card and put it in your car and just put it in the, in the front of your car so you can see it. And the, your commute to work may just be a way of, of prayerful looking forward to the things you go into today. God, what do you desire from me today? When we're aware of God's presence with us, when we're aware that God is with us, it changes how we see things. It changes how we see others. When that person gives us a phone call, instead of seeing a, an annoying client who always complains and never has anything nice to say, we begin to see them as someone who's deeply loved by God and has a story and hopes and dreams and disappointments and hurts and failures, and they just need the gift of presence. And slowly over time, we may no longer see people the way everybody else sees them, but we may begin to see them in the way Christ sees them, with compassion. And slowly over time, our compassion and patience quotient may find increasing in our work. Well, a third suggestion for us is to engage in the ancient practice of examine. Examine is a prayerful reflection on our weeks and to ask God, God's presence and discernment of where is he at and, and give some direction for how we might step into what he's asking us to do. Prayer of examine it allows us to review our day or our week and where has God been? What has he been stirring in us? And then look forward to what God may be doing and where he may be bringing us in the next day or the next week. So it's the aspect of reviewing backwards of what's gone on in our days or our weeks and then looking forward to what is happening or what will happen in the day or weeks to come and prayerfully asking God's presence to go with us 
in those meetings that we might learn to be present, really present, not looking past each other, not being a burden, not having people feel that we don't listen or pay attention, but learning to be present with them, really present and pushing in and listening to what's going on. And this last thing, this prayer of examine, is something that we can each learn to do. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing that we practice and learn how to look in the rear view and to learn how to look in the future of what's God maybe doing for us. We're going to do that this morning together. We're going to walk through this prayer of examine. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite you to just simply take a moment to get yourself in a comfortable situation. Your feet on the floor, your kind of hands on your lap or, or somewhere that's, that's position yourself in some kind of prayerful response or some kind of ways in which you can just be comfortable. And quiet your heart, close your eyes and bow your heads. And I'm going to lead us through a prayer of examine and lead us into something that may uh, bring us to our week, our works week this coming week. Take a few short or just long, deep, slow breaths. Become aware of God's presence with you right here. As we begin to be aware of God's presence, review the past week with gratitude, with where God has provided for you. He's been gracious to you. What has God done for you this week? How has God shown himself to you this week? Offer a prayer of thanksgiving for this week. Allow your thoughts to move through your, your week this week, this, through your work that you've been doing. And in what ways were you given opportunities to be present to someone? Pay attention to your emotions or your feelings and your thoughts about this interaction where you could be present to listen. Bring this circumstance to God in prayer, either out of gratitude for wisdom, for being able to see the gift of presence, or, or maybe an aspect of confession that we didn't quite take advantage of the opportunity there. Turn your thoughts to this week. What meetings do you have? What conversations will you have? Emails to reply to, phone calls. What people will cross your path that you might be present to this week?
What might you need to do to eliminate distractions in this relationship? And in that conversation, what, must, what might you need to do to create space at work? Pray that God would give you the courage and the grace to walk with him this week and to give the gift of your presence to the people that God brings across your path. Offer these conversations and these meetings to God as an act of your worship. God, we recognize that you are here in this place this morning and you have a desire to meet us and to lead us into life abundant. Father, we confess that there are meetings and times at work where we get so busy and hurried and task-oriented that we forget the people that you have put in our place or people you've put across our paths. We confess that we have not been fully present to them. And Father, I pray that you would give us grace this week as we step into these conversations and these appointments and these meetings. Would we eliminate distractions and would we eliminate the noise and the things going on and really give the gift of our presence? May you allow us to have patience for the various interruptions that come our way this week. We ask all these things, Father, in the name of your Holy Son. Jesus, we ask that you would give us the power to live according to your life. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I'm going to leave you with that this morning. I'm going to want you to take that with you. in Whatever environment, whatever workplace that you may find yourself, and I want you to think of one conversation this week. Just one conversation, one person, one email. Don't get overwhelmed by the various other things. And to seek to be present there. To eliminate the distractions. To do whatever necessary steps it's going to take to eliminate distraction, create space, and to be present with that one conversation, that one person. And let's see what God may be doing in our hearts and in our work environment as a result. So may the peace and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Thanks for coming today.